Welcome to Behavior Fit Radio, where we talk health, fitness, and behavior analysis. I'm your host, Nick Green. Welcome to the show. This episode is a Behavior Fit blog companion. I read an old article and share new insights. Enjoy. Okay, today's article that I will be reviewing is called Use the Internet? Here's why you could ignore most health research, social media, and my advice. Alright, so why I picked this article to review next was because how important science is to Behavior Fit and I think to most of us who are interested in improving our health, right? We want to implement solutions, change different things, change our behavior that is founded in research. And before I jump into the article, the other day, my wife Gina mentioned, uh, she tagged me in a post on Instagram uh, from this uh, scientist. Um, His name is uh, Lane Norton. He's a PhD. Uh, He goes by BioLane, B-I-O-L-A-Y-N-E. So I had already picked out this article to uh, speak about today, um, but her the, the post that he tagged me in was, was super relevant, very interesting, and just quickly um, about him, he's a, uh, first and foremost, he, he wrote, he's a dad, he's got a PhD in nutritional science, he's a pro bodybuilder, two-time USA powerlifting, 93 kilogram uh, national champ, uh, won a uh, silver medal, uh, author, teaches experts, so he's got a lot of posts got close to 4,000 posts. He's got 236,000 uh, 236, followers. So um, a lot of his posts are pretty uh, pretty good, informational, see some body transformations, things like that. So it's a pretty legit page. I, I just know about him from my wife talking about him. But um, the post that is super relevant to research and what the article is about today, just a meme, um, looks like a picture of a it's like a pirate-looking guy with a mustache. Looks like a character maybe from Monty Python. But the meme says at the, at the top, you keep using the word, in quotes here, research. And then at the bottom, says, I don't think it means what you think it means. And that um, is so true. And I'm going to tap into that a little bit um, with my article here. So today is December 12th when I'm recording this episode. His post here was posted two days ago on December um, uh, oh, sorry, actually, today is, let me look at the calendar, today is December 13th, and this was posted, um, two days ago, so on December 11th, so it's kind of fitting, and then the article that I wrote, I, um, was published, let me scroll down real quick, it was earlier in the year, it was back in February 2018, so, hey, it's a great thing about all these scientists, they're all saying the same thing, so, the meme's funny, it's a good picture, attention grabbing, it's got 6,000 likes, but what he said here in his comments is that much more important, so here's what he says. I see so many people say, quote, I've done my research, or research shows, or, quote, in parentheses, insert fit celebs research shows. These people are very confused. Allow me to help. Again, this is BioLane. And each of these, each of these now, he has a bullet point, uh, about 10 of them here, and he says, okay, this is the first one. Netflix Netflix documentaries are not research. I'm saying not because that's uh, all capitalized N-O-T, not research. Any documentary is not research, even if they interview scientists and cite, in parentheses, usually cherry-pick research. 
Googling a topic isn't research. Wikipedia is not research, though the information is generally pretty good. Reading an article on a website is not research. Reading my... He doesn't say this, but reading a behavior fit blog post is not research. Podcasts are not research. This podcast is not research. Although I'm trying to position myself as somebody that's read a lot of research and just providing information to the masses. Uh, YouTube is not research. Your favorite celeb's opinion is not research. Your favorite scientist's your favorite scientist opinion is not research. So we got your favorite celeb opinion is not research. That just makes me think of all the uh, Hollywood actresses out there that start their own lifestyle blends and nutrition products and fitness workouts. They're like, okay, they're good at working out, but um, which reminds me, uh, as an aside here, of um, you know, there's controversy out there with uh, listening to um, athletes and how they're interviewed after. Um, a game, and I believe it was Cam Newton, a quarterback of the uh, Carolina Panthers. The interviewer or the uh, the news reporters in the locker room after the game asked him something like, "How you know? What's your opinion on this, that, and the other?" And it doesn't matter what the topic was. He just didn't have a great response, and he, they gave him all this attention for like, "Oh, Cam Newton, he didn't have a great response," and blah blah blah. Like, well, that's that's okay. Because then another uh, news reporter pointed out that, like, well, he's really good at playing football. And so maybe we should just place his value on what he says when it comes to playing football and less about, you know, government politics or recycling or um, whatever he was talking about. Fine art. You know, I don't maybe maybe Cam Newton is a fine artist and has his own thing. I don't know. But um, that's really, you know, it's 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 really interesting, especially now, like, um. In the media, uh, Steph Curry, uh, point uh, shooting guard for the Golden State Warriors, he had a there's a bit, a little bit of a story with him where there, where he was asked, "Did we land on the moon?" and he was joking, I guess, with his friends on a po- on a podcast, and he said, "Well, I don't, I don't know, I, it's hard to believe," or something like that, and it's just like, "Well, I'm going to listen to Steph Curry when it comes to him teaching me how to dribble through defense or how to shoot over LeBron James in the finals, but when it comes to you know, listening to his opinion about NASA and science, as far as I know, he's not a trained scientist, so it's really, you know, it's it's less valuable. Not, I'm not picking on Steph Curry or Cam Newton. They're they're fine athletes, um, but I just use them as an example of like, okay, trusting everybody's opinion just because they talk about something doesn't mean to say that they're qualified to talk about it. So that's that was one long aside for Biolane's post here of your favorite scientists or your favorite athlete's opinion is not research. The opinion of some jack dude or girl is not research. An article on a website that cites research is not research. And that is what I'm actually going to be talking about a little bit today. So we have all these news feeds that show us all this research that's out there. But even then, they're very poorly written. And after viewing them for the past, you know, five, six years, there is a certain formula that all these journalists follow. And it's um, it doesn't it doesn't help the real world, I don't think. So if you can read it on HTTP, colon, it's just the website here. If you can read it on www.pubmen.gov, it's probably not research. Sorry, feelings are not facts. Let me read that one again. If you can't read it on 
PubMed.gov. It's probably not research. So PubMed.gov is the national database here of um, of research articles, um, and and sometimes you have peer-reviewed journals that um, that don't make it on there. Um, but you just have to do your your vetting. But um, you go to PubMed.gov. It's a U.S. National Library of Medicine, uh, uh, supported by the National Institute of Health (NIH), which is a big uh, resource for researchers to conduct research. Provide they provide money there. So uh, PubMed. Let's see if we can. Let's just Google my own article. So my own article was decreasing bouts of prolonged sitting among office workers. That was my master's thesis. I've never searched PubMed for my own article. So let's see if it happens. Hey, it popped up. Full text links. Nicholas Green, Sigurdsson, and Dr. Wilder. So there we go. I passed the research test. All right. So if you can't read it on any other website besides PubMed, um, ResearchGate is now out there, but um, which is pretty much Facebook for researchers. But if you can read it there, PubMed or ResearchGate, I would add that to that. But yes, again, his last comment here on his post is, sorry, feelings are not facts. So he's just trying to clear the air here that we have to look at the data and look at the research. So I thought that was a nice aside to intro my article. Okay, to my article. So it's a little lengthy, but I hope you enjoy. So use the internet. Here's why you can ignore most health research, social media, and my advice. So the beginning here, I have a little bit of taglines. Six-minute abs. Lose the baby weight now. Chocolate is good for your health. Wine is good for your brain. Give me that smart pill. All right, so these are the headlines. Headlines, headlines, and more headlines. Man, that those are just all the clickbait world that we live in, right? Six min- Actually, six-minute abs were, you know, uh, a funny a funny meme when, um, what was it, Dodgeball? When uh, Ben Stiller was like, six-minute abs, five-minute abs, something like that. Um, but anyway, we get the headlines, right? At least we can all agree that good health is good and bad health is bad. For the most part, we can control our health. We battle through accumulating resources related to time, energy, and available health options. We take matters into our own hands. You know, for example, buying gym memberships, learning to cook better. And, if we are lucky, sometimes our employers provide support like offering discounted gym memberships or providing healthy lunches for us. We all love that. Um, Tired of getting all those bagels in the morning. Come on. Come on, boss. Maybe this is where the future is headed. After all, Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and J.P. Morgan employees may soon have the best health benefits yet to be seen. The bigwigs of these three companies, who are Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, and Jamie Dimon, want to combine forces to improve health care for their employees. Now, I have a, uh, a link here to combine forces. And what that uh, article just briefly says here, it's a New York Times article. So they're teaming up to try to disrupt healthcare. This is back in January. Maybe I, I could do a little update on this, um, maybe on a later episode. But um, they want to set up a an independent healthcare company um, that will pretty much be beneficial and kind of uh, clear out the middleman, improve healthcare systems. So um, I'm all for any type of improvement. So um, you know, I'm back to the article here. I'm not an economist or pretend to be one on TV, but it sounds like a good idea for most Americans, considering. Our Canadian, our Canadian counterparts to the north—they have uh, healthcare for all. So, reducing costs, cutting out middlemen, with an end goal of making healthcare affordable and accessible to more people. 
Sounds like a good idea. Hopefully, the merger is successful and sends a ripple effect to the rest of the world. So, you know, I think the insurance company, again, I'm not an opinion. This is just my opinion. I'm not a healthcare historian or an in- insurance expert, but it seems like the health insurance that we know today is kind of archaic and it doesn't keep up with the times and the technology that we live in today. Either way, our health still relies on how effectively we change our behavior. Think of it like this. Getting cheaper health insurance does not mean that you will go to the gym more. Going to the doctor more often does not mean that you will comply with doctor's orders. Having a prescription does not mean that you will take it as often as you should. Large policy changes help, but health still comes down to individual behavior change. So I can't stress that enough. So we do need large you know, actions, policy changes that if there is a policy change that every city needs a gym, then of course the availability of equipment will probably get you know some percentage of the population, but there's still individual variation, individual preferences, individual barriers, problems that we all have to fight through. Um, so just creating cheap things and available doesn't mean to say the behavior change goes along with it. And now I have a nice little bold heading as I say, Behold my words as I yell from the ivory tower. I get it. I have not been in the real world for some, for some time now. Come on, Nick, what do you know? Over the past five years, I've slowly walked up the steps of the academic ivory tower, earning a master's degree, and now, which my wife jokes, three-fourths of a PhD. And as I'm recording this in December of 2018, I could change that fraction to I only have one more semester to go, so maybe I could call myself a seven-eighths of a PhD. Gotta get that dissertation done. So my journey is almost complete. I don't pretend to know it all, but I acknowledge that I do not live in a vacuum. Along the way, I've attempted to solve real-world problems and figure out what information people really need. The fact of the matter is this. The more you learn, the more you realize that you don't know anything. So that's pretty much what a PhD means. You've read a lot, you studied a lot, you did some things, and at the end of it, you're just like, I have no idea what's going on. And... You realize everything that I thought was fact and real and concrete, it's really not that way. So watch out for people that think they have all the answers. Those are the charlatans, the snake oil salesman, or the snake oil sales lady. So I don't know anything. I, I refined what I know about health and science of human behavior, but the challenge I face and I found, but the challenge I found in academia is this. What is it that people really need to know, and what can they do about it today? So that is kind of the kind of a key point here for this article. So what is it that people really need to know when it comes to health research, and what can you what can you do about it? What kind of action can you take? So you have to think about these things when you're reading articles. Um, even though I just poo pooed on what a lot, or I didn't. I just read what BioLane's uh, sentiments were about what's not research. But anyway, you, you you'll get the point here. So what I do know is this. I know that creating behavior fit while in school was the best decision I could have made. It gave me the benefit of learning the particulars of health and behavioral research while checking in with society. Testing ideas out, speaking, consulting, asking for feedback. You know, I'm looking at to the environment to see what is it that people, what they want, what they need, what they, what they know. Even with um, my last episode on episode 
episode eight with the Q and A, just constantly asking people like, what what is it that they're interesting in, interested in when it comes to health and fitness? Because I have my own questions, I get answered. I look at research, I look at different resources, so I'm always interested to see like what what is it that other people, um, you know, what what information what, what they're what they're lacking when it comes to um, improving their own health and fitness. And I think I'm doing an okay job with it, but you know, I I digress. Through my quest of reading and writing more than the average bear, I have come to this conclusion, and this is in quotes here, most health research doesn't matter. Now this kind of goes anti to what BioLane, Lane Norton just said, but most health research doesn't matter. And the point here, it's, it doesn't matter to you, the individual. You are a person. You are not a, an experimental group. You are not a control group. Your world is constantly changing, constantly changing, day to day, hour by hour. Research does not reflect real life. It does its best, depending on the validity measures they're looking at, but uh, we'll get into that. I mean, what can you really take away from large research studies in the first place? They're complicated, very controlled, use lots of statistics, and they're freaking hard to read. Nobody ain't got time for that. Unless you're a full-time student and that is what you do. Or you're a faculty member teaching these full-time students. So it has a clear divide of the real world versus academic life. Excuse me. But group studies are good. Yes, big public health studies benefit, benefit us by telling us to wash hands during flu season, get our kids vaccinated, Avoid too much sunlight if you have light skin. And my favorite, sit less and move more. I've talked about that on a couple episodes now. If you haven't listened to those, go back and check out episodes three and four. Those will be good for you. And I have, an, I have a link here. Um, you can look at my interpretation of the sitting issue. So group studies are good when it comes to those large, especially public health situations. You know, we know smoking is bad by studying people. We know that um, having STDs over the course of a... Uh, you know, a long period of time is bad for us too. So all that stuff. Those studies, researchers, and professionals will always be needed. We always need those big those big studies. What we need to know, what to do... Oh, sorry. I kind of misspoke there. Messed up the emphasis. We need to know what to do during the next health epidemic. So those public health studies are very important. Got to keep clean water. So these studies are fantastic for what they are. Large, macro-level views of health, but offer... No real-time cause-and-effect analysis for you, the individual, for your daily life. So health and fitness tips come in various forms today. Think of all the platforms. Think of the podcasts. You're listening to this. I have given a couple examples. There's different, uh, you know, there's different ways to distribute um, research media on Twitter, Facebook, um, Tumblr, all those, uh, the usual suspects there. So you can just take a look at any of your social media feeds. And of course, there's learning algorithms embedded with all this, but my feed is saturated with these sorts of posts, and there's a picture there. One is an Instagram um, photo of my buddy uh, Brett, and he's a uh, he works on uh, athletic performance, and he's got a picture where he analyzed um, kind of the skiing angle of a of a world class skier leaning into the side of a hill and, and comparing it to his angle, and it looks like he used. Uh, maybe the app Coach's Eye to draw. He's got angles on there and everything. Very scientific looking. And then you see another post below that that I copy and pasted where there's a guy kind of in this 
kind of Spider-Man crawling position. Looks like he's doing yoga. It's like in a white background studio with black pants. He's a cool looking guy. But the caption there says, mindfulness, the secret to achieving your training goals, right? So remember when I said earlier, kind of be leery of somebody that has all the answers. So we are flooded with this type of information every day. But what do we do with it? What is right, wrong, useful, and only created to get a reaction? And these examples, I would go with Brett's skiing analysis for sure. So do we take the attention-grabbing headline and run with it? Kind of like the title of this blog. So use the internet. I said you can ignore my advice. You know, I hooked you in, obviously with the title of this podcast as well, and hopefully you made it far into this, this show or the article. So we don't have time to understand everything, but we think that we do. The problems with health advice and headlines is this. A problem, a problem emerges when blogs are loaded with very specific risk factor studies which merge the worlds of health and human behavior, which almost seems like every health science now, health article nowadays. So we often take a headline for, as my professor, Dr. Iser Willy de Leon puts it, we take the headlines as, it's a fact in the bag. You can click around the health section on Google News, like I did um, for one of my uh, news updates, and find these catchy headlines instantly. I mean, here's what I found. This is back in February again. So February 3rd, uh, 2018. I found this article, catchy headline, in less than 10 seconds. The article is this. A glass of wine after work may be good for your brain, according to science. Oh, wow. Sounds sexy, right? A good way to rationalize your drinking problem, perhaps? What's that? You're a wine drinker, too? Oh, even better. And you like scientific things? Home run. We headed out the park. Way to go. SEO, title, marketer, blog writing people. You did it. You really, you hooked people in. You hooked me in. I was writing, I was writing a, a blog about crappy headlines and you did it. So the idea is this, with this, you know, with this, uh, with this blog title. If I drink wine after work, then this will cause my brain to be healthier in the long run, right? Again, the original title of that article was a glass of wine after work may be good for your brain according to science. And for me, my interpretation would be, if I drink wine, my brain is going to be healthier. So if you just look at the title again, it also includes the phrase, may be good. This does not mean that it will be good for your brain. So that whole qualifier, that may be good. But most of the time, people jump to leaving out the maybe. Um, and if I drink wine after work, it'll cause my brain um, to be healthier in the long run. So, But if you dig deeper here, which took me, okay, here we go. So this, is, this talks about re finding that article. So it took me, the educated smart guy, 20 minutes to find the actual research report, read it, make sense of it. And again, ain't nobody got time for that. And also, as I, as, as I was prepping this article before I started recording, I left this part out too. Say, like if I'm also a graduate student with a graduate email address that can log into... Um, you know, the library systems and have access to articles. So some of these articles that we may be looking for or have been cited in any type of um, New York Times article or BuzzFeed post, most of us, one, we don't have time. We might not know what we're looking for. We don't know if we found it. That's a whole separate skill set. But on top of that, even if you find it, you may, not, you may not have the opportunity unless you're part of an organization that has access to, um, to research. Now, there are workarounds, but again, this is... If I'm talking to the lay public and the, just the average person looking for research, they're probably not going to make it this far in their search. So 
again, digging deeper into the article, which I did at a time for, um, you run into several issues with the study. And I have a cute little picture of two rats, one holding a very tiny wine bottle. So they're, they're drinking it straight from the bottle. No, no, they weren't. So here's the issues with the study. Again, remember the title here is a glass of wine after work might be good for your brain. So maybe they gave wine to people after, after work and they did it. Nope, not this research. So four points here. Here's the issues. The study was done on rats. Number two, the study found associations, not causes. More on that below. The study is only about one variable, which is alcohol. And four, the rats did not drink after work. They were day drinking. So, again, that's a bit of a joke there. So, there's four points. Um, studies done on rats. They found associations, not causes. And they only study one variable. So, imagine... Pretty much it's it's the rats are in the controlled environment in cages. They're feeding them, you know, the, the, the chemical compound of alcohol, whichever they used through a, an IV or something. And they did that just kind of on a regular dosage all day. And then they killed all the rats, looked at their brains, and then, you know, wrote up their report. So I took the time um, to look up the article and found the graphs and figures. So um, if you want to look at the uh, the article itself, I'll put it in the in the notes here of the episode. So you get these, you get these uh, these graphs and figures. So again, this is you know I'm, I doubt many people go to depths when they're reading these these headlines, but once you do, you find what's really going on. So so how again are you going to relate these images to happy hour? So I have one message is a is a um, is a picture of three um, three slices of a brain. There are three black rectangles, and then there's there's a bright teal, and the edges here that kind of light up are the changes in um, alcohol in the brain or something like that. And then there's a picture on the right, um, which you have to know just by looking at it that it's a dot plot, and it um, has it looks like it has error bars and means and medians, and you have to know what all those things are. And there's asterisks on the asterisks, multiple ast asterisi, asterisks. What's the plural of it? What's the plural of asterisk, and how do you say it? That, let me know. Um, but again, there's a dot plot. You have to know what you're looking at. And the y-axis is looks like picograms per milligrams of protein. How does this relate to drinking after work? Right? These long stretches that these journals makes is very, very, um, it's just sad. Like, just, just bad writing. Come on, people. Um, so the indirect message so far is that you need to be cautious about what you read and what most findings, and that most findings are way complicated than they seem. Side note here in the article, I have nothing against this wine article or website. They are in the business of writing things to drive traffic and to sell ads and make money. Their focus is not on helping out the individual reader. So if they did, I'm sure the format would look a lot different. So for me... What value do I bring? Again, if Lane Norton says don't trust, you know, even a trusted advisor or expert like myself, well, here's what I can do. Um, I am an academic Robin Hood at your service. Because I have the opportunity to think about these issues in health and research, I want to give back to the people. The information I learn should not be limited to me, but accessible to all. This article is not about me. It's about you, the reader, the listener on the podcast, the individual that wants to do good for their health, now and in the future. In a way, during my journey, I see myself more as an academic Robin Hood, working on the inside, infiltrating, infiltrating the man, robbing the ivory tower of his knowledge, of its knowledge, 
and bringing it back to the people. So back to the knowledge thievery. So how do we read the internet? We need to put on our skeptic hats and notice three problems. And if you're, any, if you're familiar with any type of skeptical scientific thinking, you may have heard of Michael Shermer. And he is the founder of Skeptic Magazine. And he has a uh, baloney detection kit. Um, and those are linked there, um, which is a toolbox that helps us evaluate the good, the bad, and the ridiculous. Aptly named the kit. The kit detects baloney that people believe. Shermer looks for truth in science, not relying on what humans say about things. So that aligns with exactly what BioLane said. So let me go ahead and uh, click back to that post again. What did he say about believing people? So research is not, I'm just scrolling down here real quick. Research is not um, your favorite celeb's opinion of research. Your favorite uh, uh, research is not your favorite scientist's opinion of research. It's, it's the facts. It's the data. So we always need to be remain skeptical, even of the things that I say. Um, okay, back back to the post here. We can use some of his tools every day as we scroll up through our lives. By using the baloney detection kit, we can avoid making up bad rules. For example, wine after work is good for our brain, for ourselves to follow. We spend so much time scrolling up on our smartphones that we should almost be in the business of, of evaluating all things on our screens. Our internet consumption pattern should look like this. Read an article, evaluate the article. Read an article, evaluate the article. Read an article, evaluate the article. But in reality, it probably looks something like this. See a catchy photo, read part of a headline, swipe to the next article, read a half a headline, see a catchy photo, read part of a headline, read half an article, leave the internet more confused than we started. Right? That's exactly what uh, Lane Norton was talking about. So... Um, in parentheses here, I have a behavioral science factoid. This is an important exercise because from a behavioral perspective, we learn things from either doing the things themselves. So using the wine example, I will not, I will not drink two glasses of wine after work because I get a hangover the next day. So you have to actually go through that process and learn from that. So you'll learn from your actions or we learn by following certain rules. So either by doing things or following rules. So if we see the articles, the blogs here about wine drinking, we may then develop this rule for for ourselves that we follow. And it may be something like, I will not drink after work because I need to drive home and that could endanger the lives of other people. And it's not good for my own safety. And you can read more about those rules themselves on my Behavior Fit Manifesto, which is linked there in the article. So... Take a little breather there. Most health things we learn about on the interwebs boil down to three problems. We address these problems. Now, as we address these problems, let's keep using our example of drinking wine after work. So problem number one. So three problems here that we need to figure out when it comes to um, when it comes to evaluating research. So problem number one: correlation does not equal causation. This is one of the hallmarks of in scientific thinking. Just because two things go together or happen at the same time does not mean that one causes the other. So there's a moon in the sky and traffic accidents happen. Um, the moon doesn't cause traffic accidents. It just happens to be present at the same time. So check out the fun things. Um, there's a website called Spurious Correlations Does. So they look at the number of people who drowned by falling, falling into a pool 
correlates with the films that Nick Cage has appeared in. And there's a graph here showing two data paths uh, kind of trending together. So as uh, as swimming pool drownings go down, Nick, Nick Cage movies go down. As the swimming pool drownings go up, Nick Cage movies go up. So um, those things just happen to vary at the same time in the same direction to the same degree. And so as the number of that movies increases, so does the number of deaths by drowning. So does that mean that we make Nick Cage stop starring in movies? Well, maybe so, but for other reasons, not because of uh, deaths from drowning in pools. So Cage does not cause drowning deaths, so the idea is the same for most health findings. Drinking wine after work does not cause improved brain function. Besides the fact, they didn't actually run a study on humans who are drinking wine after work and study their brains. Right, so problem one, correlating all these findings does not equal causation. Problem number two, people take health claims as cause. So the real findings is this, the real finding is this, drinking wine is associated with an improvement in brain health. Associated here is the key, what people think is, if I drink wine, then my brain health will improve. So that, that ties in closely with problem number one. And problem number three, people forget that they don't live in a controlled lab. So the wine study was conducted in a lab with rats on a very specific diet, raised a very particular way, who had minimal change in their lives. Our lives are not controlled lab studies. Among all things, you eat different things every day, have various tolerances to alcohol, have jobs, raise kids, and live across the globe. Things are different. Now, let's map this onto the real world. Do you think reading this headline gives you the license to continue or, or start drinking wine after work? For some, unfortunately, it probably does. If you, accident, if you accidentally see this, this feed on your post and your news app um, on a website at, at the bottom of a ticker, that, that rule could be instantaneous. And that's the theme of this article. Enough with the headlines already. At this point, I've described some issues with health advice and gone after a few problems. So how do we buck the system? So we have our three problems again with a lot of this health research is that most of it's correlational. So correlation does not equal causation because two things happen at the same, to, at the at the same time does not mean one causes the other. People take these health claims as cause, so drinking wine and its association with brain health, and people forget that they don't live in a lab. So that kind of goes into looking into the research. So what do we do? We need to be our own experiment. And this is where behavior analysis comes in. So this is the challenge that we all face. How do we find order in our chaotic days? Like filters we use on Facebook and Instagram. I just discovered the mute button where you can mute stories and posts from people. And Instagram, they must have done an update. We can mute things. We need to know and we need one to show how our health and fitness is caused by our actions and the environment around us. So we'll... We'll look at this again. So the challenges that we all face, how do we find order? So we need to find the order that shows how our health and fitness is caused by our actions and the environment around us. So enter behavior analysis. Behavior analysis uses data to track things, to track the things we do. It's our cause and effect filter. So just like we're using filters on Facebook and Instagram, understanding things as cause and effect helps us understand how our health is changing. If we track certain things, plug in some data, then order will be revealed. So you can sing with me now. I can see clearly now the chaos is gone. 
I can see all order in my data. I kind of just made that second verse up. The first part, the first part was in there. Um, anyway, data, 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 order, order, order. This is largely the premise of last month's blog. Uh, so this is going back to January, um, which is almost timely for next month. So it's, it's a blog called New Year's Resolution Stalled. We just need a strategy to take data and figure out if life is headed where we want it to go. So we, it's all about, you know, how, how can we live a more quality life here? So it's, it, we're working out for what? And uh, taking data helps us get there. So I, invite, I invented an acronym. I called it BSMGE, B-S-M-G-E, that guides your own self-experimentation. So you need to brainstorm ideas, what you want to do, select a target, measure that target, set a goal, and then evaluate what you're doing if it's, if it's really meaningful. So the process allows you to take any health idea, filter out the noise, make sense of it, give you guidance on your next steps, and provide you with the confidence on how to better live your day, week, month, year, and life. So kind of like a behavioral Swiss Army knife. It does a little bit of everything. But it's individualized and requires very close inspection. But hey, what about the wine? We're going on this old buck in the system thing, right? So if you want to see how wine affects your brain health, you could start by tracking the number of glasses of wine you drink per night, how great you feel the next day, and some type of brain health metric. I have no idea what that would be, but that's how you would do it. Um, but that's where you might start, right? So you look at your uh, whatever type of brain measure, you, you put the dates down, things like that. So my advice here, it's over. We are inundated with health ideas, research, and bad advice. Whether any of it is right or wrong doesn't really matter because what matters is how you apply that advice and figure out if it makes a meaningful difference in your life. A little data making a filter can put a lot of this to rest. So the data is the filter that we can find and restore order to our lives, you know, depending on whatever our targets are. And I have a little picture here of uh, just uh, just an exercise program that I started. And it's like once you uh, track certain reps and workouts and things, that's just what I did. You, you, you tend to reveal order, and um, that's what I did. So you can kind of see the graph there. You get to look at the blog. But it's the left bar graph is super low, and then after I implemented the program, all the bar graphs are super high. So... Uh, so let's say, just wrapping up here, we do have better brains after drinking wine every day. All right, let's say the data reveal that. Come 40 years down the road, you have this, quote, healthy, wine-soaked brain. Now what? What are you doing with yourself? Bragging about how healthy your brain is? I don't know. Or or, or something more productive or fulfilling. So let's not, as, let's, let's, uh, let's not confuse quantity of life with quality of life. So prolonging, you know, a not great health outcome because you... Decided to burn the wick at both ends for a long time. Let's not that confused with having a good quality life um, towards the end of our days. But then again, you can completely ignore my advice. So you can come back and discuss, you know, how I, how I evaluate. This is the later article. How I evaluate these all too common trendy scientific posts. So, and I do have at the bottom of this article here the um, the reference for the wine article. If anybody wants to really check that out, or if they're interested, but. That is it for this article. So again, um, if we use the internet, those are the reasons you can ignore my you can ignore my advice. Social media, we just have to be skeptical about what we read. Um, again, check out the blog that'll be linked in the notes there. And um, thanks for tuning in.
That's it for today's episode. To learn more about Behavior Fit, visit www.behaviorfit.com. And if you haven't already, follow me on social media. I'm active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just find me at BehaviorFit, B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R-F-I-T. And look forward to hearing from you and keep moving. This episode is a BehaviorFit blog companion. I read an old article and share new insights. Enjoy. This episode is a BehaviorFit blog companion. I read an old article and share new insights. Enjoy. This episode is a BehaviorFit blog companion. I read an old article and share new insights. Enjoy. This episode is a BehaviorFit blog companion. I read an old article and share new insights. Enjoy. This episode is a BehaviorFit blog companion. I read an old article and share new insights. Enjoy. That's it for today's episode. To learn more about BehaviorFit, visit www.behaviorfit.com. And if you haven't already, follow me on social media. I'm active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just find me at BehaviorFit, B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R-F-I-T. And look forward to hearing from you and keep moving.